welcome to a free bean salad's extra helpings. Uh, <laughs> we uh, should probably explain this. So, this is a, a new spin on the format here. Uh, we're changing it up halfway through the year. As some of you will remember, our initial plan for this year was that we would, between the Mamma Mia films, have a middle week where we would just look at maybe some ABBA-related films, or maybe just whatever we, we felt like. Uh, but for <laughs> logistical reasons, we couldn't do that. No. For logistical reasons of you moved away and we didn't have access to all of the films we wanted to watch, we decided, well, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just X that, we'll just not do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, as the year went on and you moved here mm -hmm. and... We started getting slightly burnt out, you know, less stimulated by the films. Uh, we decided, you know, we've just passed the halfway threshold, and 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 we're gonna we're gonna start doing the middle weeks. Yeah, yeehaw. First oh. things first. This week, trigger warnings. Uh, I think these might be the first trigger warnings of the year. Yay! Uh, uh, so it is. Uh, there's gonna be talk of parasocial relationships. Uh, questionable consent and mm -hmm. unfortunately there is going to have to be at least mention of a genuine real life sex offender yeah. this week so if any of these tr trigger you in any way don't listen to this episode maybe uh, as you may have guessed by that description we're talking about ABBA the movie this week <laughs> <laughs> that's enough information for you to know what we're talking about Par you know it's a, it's a movie it's a movie about ABBA, uh, so, I mean, it's sort of about their tour of Australia in, what, 76, 77? Thereabouts. Thereabouts, and, uh, she's, you know, ABBA, big deal uh, to the Aussies, as, as it happens. They're absolutely fucking buck wild for a bit of ABBA. Uh, as I, I, I didn't realise how big it, I mean, you know, they're fucking ABBA, they're one of the biggest bands in history. We've also got new ABBA music just came out in the last week. Yeah. Fantastic. Album's gone for pre-order, apparently it's smashing all sorts of records. Fucking as it should. Um, but yeah, I feel like, um, Australia is such a, a strange, uh, country for like, a, a band, like a, a European or American band to break because Australia is so, I guess, uh, isolated from kind of the major points of like uh, commercial music production, and uh, you know that's not to say there aren't a, a lot of fantastic Australian bands. Fucking ACDC are Australian. Well, Let's, they're kind of Scottish. They're, well, their original singer was Scottish, but and uh, the uh, Young uh, Brothers are Scottish. Are they Scottish? Didn't they start the band? I thought they were fucking Aussies. I'm pretty sure they're Scottish. <laughs> Oy vey. Well. That's mad. Anyway, uh, fun little ACDC tidbit. Uh, one of the directors of my of the college course that I did, Australian guy called David Christophers, worked with ACDC extensively while he was living in Australia until he moved here. And, uh, and, now he, and then he taught me the two great things he ever did with his <laughs> life. Um, uh, what was I going to say? But yeah, it's such a strange thing for like a band to get really big in Australia, uh, where you know, like a European or American band. Uh, ABBA is one of those bands. I think it's so strange that there was such a buzz about them 
in a place like Australia. And another band I could think of that, that applies to, an American band, Ween. Uh, there's a great story about uh, a fan uh, of Ween going to the small town in Pennsylvania, wherever it was that they were from, and basically wanting to meet them and going around asking locals, like, oh, do you know Dean and Jean Ween? And they're like, oh, yeah, they went to school, like, down the road from where I live. Yeah, uh, and she comes to one store, a store that's mentioned by name in one of their early songs. And she's like, do you know, like, Gene and Dean Ween? And the shop owner goes, oh, yeah. I th He's like, I hear those boys are touring over in Australia at the moment. And the girl breaks down into tears. And he goes, oh, God, love. He's like, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she's like, I fucking flew all the way from Australia to come and try find them here. I didn't realize they were touring Australia. Fuck my life. Anyways, little aside, uh, how about we dig into Abba the movie? Uh, yes, what did you think of Abba the movie? We should probably say in, in all of these episodes, all of these middle episodes, obviously we're not going to be looking at these films again, so there are going to be extensive spoilers, so I think we should just get off the bat in all of these episodes. Do we recommend this film or not? I do. I think if you're a fan of the band... Absolutely watch it. It's uh, got some great concert footage in there all the way throughout. Uh, there's some interview clips which are really interesting as mm. well, I think. Uh, but then the you know, the side of the film that I'm not so keen on <laughs> is the fact that it's kind of like a, a sort of a psychological thriller slash chase movie. <laughs> like, uh, to set the scene, the, o the opening of the film is... Um, do we get cl clips of the band first that kind of interspliced with the, the radio presenter? I think so. Before, possibly. like, the aspect ratio change. Yeah. The funniest aspect ratio change I've ever seen. Um, this radio presenter is tasked with getting an intimate interview with ABBA. Uh, and, like, kind of like a candid sort of interview. Like, more of a, a chat rather than, like, your traditional question answer interview and he's got seven days to do it and so he sets up to try and meet the band at one of their concerts fails goes heads on over to the next city fails heads on over to the next city fails so on so forth and it turns into this chase movie and his sanity sort of uh, gradually deteriorates over the course of following abba um <laughs> Much like us, in it's, a way. Yeah, kind of. It's kind of like holding a mirror up. Uh, it was like watching it, but it's. Uh, and then that sequence happens partway through that changes absolutely everything in our minds. Yeah. But, well, I suppose you have that in your notes, so we'll get to oh, when we get to it. Yeah, we will get to that. Would you like to make a start on your notes? I, for the record, also recommend this film. I think it's absolutely insane. It's it's bonkers. Like I really loved all. Like I said, great interview footage, fantastic concert footage. Strange premise. Like uh, <laughs> you, you hear like a generic like blank the movie thing. And you think ah, oh, it's just gonna be like you know some promotional piece. It's gonna be mm. like you know the basic you know it's gonna be concert footage, maybe some interview clips. You don't expect this fictional wraparound, which is <laughs> just a genuinely unsettling like psychological stalker thriller. Yeah. Like, I can't even think of what to compare it to in that sense. Like, uh, I mean, the fanatic comes to mind, unfortunately. <laughs> the fanatic handled it better, let's be honest. Yeah, well, yeah. 
Anyways, uh, my first note is simply the quote, what they fear. That is one of the criteria that the journalist is given uh, he, uh, by his boss. <laughs> he has seven days to interview Ava and find out what they fear, what they like, uh, what makes them tick. But I just thought what they fear was a strange <laughs> criteria for an interview. Um, there's an aspect ratio change very, very early on in this film. The uh, for the first I'm gonna say minute or two for the first minute or two it's really really tiny. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's window box. Yeah, window box right right until we're in uh, the radio boss's office, and uh, he's talking about how he wants this <laughs> he wants this interview this radio special to be worldwide, and as he spreads his arms to motion worldwide, <laughs> the aspect ratio. <laughs> stretches out and it's fucking hilarious because they put him in slow-mo as well which is I just thought it was um I don't I don't know if it's a nice touch but it's uh it's fucking funny um imagine booing ABBA we get an early interview clip of um uh either Benny or Bjorn talking about how uh you know the uh in terms of touring Every night can be so different and like, you know, depending on what city they're playing to, they're going to get very different reactions from the crowd, uh, you know, for a litany of reasons that I'll kind of touch on later. Uh, and uh, one of them basically says, uh, it's not a very nice feeling uh, hearing 30,000 people booing. I was like, imagine booing ABBA. Like, ima imagine how embarrassed you'd be now in retrospect for booing ABBA even at the time yeah. they were huge they were fucking massive and they're excellent imagine booing them ridiculous That's, I just think it's absolutely fucking rancid um there's a scene <laughs> near the start where uh, the journalist is trying to get to the stadium or the hotel where Abba is staying. Uh, yeah, the hotel where they're staying. And he pulls up alongside a lorry driver who is driving his vehicle. Like, they're both in motion in their respective vehicles. And just starts shouting out his window asking if he knows what hotel they're staying in. And the lorry driver also just doesn't seem to know who Abba are. And so it's just this, this back and forth on a busy main road. These two men fucking driving, just screaming at each other. It is... First of all, one of the most Australian things I've ever seen. Second of all, one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen. Uh, it's just, you know, as someone who's learning to drive, I have a feeling that's not in the in the guidebook. No. It, it might fall under the, the second rule of the road, which is kill. Mm. Um, but I'm not sure. Um, we get so many amazing montages of ABBA merchandise. And I think I have about three separate notes just saying, I've got to get some ABBA merch. <laughs> like, it's just like... <laughs> um, oh, i got to get me some ABBA merch. Just these really great, like, uh, thigh-high socks that these girls are wearing at one point with all their faces on them. Ooh, I want a pair of them, baby. Um, ABBA are Irish straight edge. I see. Do you understand what I mean by that? Uh, no. No? No. They're Irish straight edge. In one of the interview clips, uh, they get asked if they take a lot of drugs and uh, and drink a lot. And they say, oh, no, no drugs, no drugs. Uh, plenty of beer, but no drugs. So, you know, ah, Irish, Irish straight, straight edge. edge. Exactly. Only drink. 
Ah, and I, I see you've got the important note next. Yes. The most important... It's <laughs> mentioned several times in the film. It is so extensively discussed throughout the film. And I actually do have a few <laughs> notes. A few, a few notes a on few, it. No, a few notes on it. But there's... Um, uh, as the journalist arrives at the first press conference that he fails to enter, uh, we hear uh, someone asking... Uh, and I'm so uh, terrible at pronouncing this name, but Agnatha, I'm going to say, it's the best I could do, uh, a, a journalist asking Agnatha if, that, about whether or not she was uh, given an award for the most sexiest bottom in Europe. The grammar there needs to be checked. <laughs> I mean, You're yeah, I should say, like, for words. yeah, like, sick. Uh, at the yeah. end, just sick. Um... And this point is revisited all, like throughout the film so many times. Just yeah. uh, comments on fucking Agnes's ass. There's one scene where she's reading about it in a newspaper and she just says, do they not have bottoms in Australia? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so fair. Like, it's it's crazy. I do have a like an interesting note. Uh, kind of, uh, but I'll get to later, that it comes back to the fascination with Agnatha's bottom, which is, it's... I mean, it's all tying into the film's themes of depersonalization and dehumanization of these these public figures, these celebrities, and... For sure. You know, seeing them as things, less as yeah, people. like products. Yeah. You know, even, like, all the, the, comp- the, the montages of all their merchandise and, uh, there's a clip where they're playing Money, Money, Money live, mm. and it's kind of interspliced with like, pe- like basically scalpers outside their concerts, like selling uh, either official or unofficial ABBA merchandise. Mm. And it's, you know, it's very much like, uh, feels like a, a, a quite a self aware moment of, yeah, people see us as a product. Mm. Here's this song about capitalism being a bitch, I guess, and how it'd be nice to be on top of capitalism, but. Alas, um, there. Uh, speaking of scalpers, my next note: there, uh, there's a a guy scalping tickets uh, outside the first concert that we see, and <laughs> the journalist is uh, trying to find a way in, and he passes the scalper, and he goes, "Oh, you're selling tickets to Abba?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, fifty bucks." And he goes, "I've not got fifty bucks. <laughs> well, you're not seeing bloody Abba then, are you?" <laughs> just like, uh, and my note is just that. Funny bloke, but guys like that have always existed, and they always will exist. There's just like, uh, much like the music of ABBA, indestructible by time. Uh, oh yeah, money, money, money. Uh, really feels like the band looking themselves in the mirror and recognizes that they are seen as a product. Uh, followed by all that merch. I must get some. <laughs> <laughs> You know, maybe I'm missing the point here, but I would really like some ABBA merch. Capitalism, <laughs> good. Mm, yummy. Um, really, uh, just a note on the band's live setup. There's mm. several clips where we see they've got uh, three guitarists on stage, including Bjorn. Mm. And uh, there's loads of parts. Like, if, well, I'll start off by saying this. If you listen to an ABBA record, if you listen to a lot of pop or rock records... Uh, whenever you hear like a lead guitar part, like a, a lead melody played on guitar or a guitar solo, 
more than likely you're hearing more than one guitar being played. It's like multiple layers of uh, either several different guitars or several different amplifiers or different settings and shit like that. But um, ABBA did that live because if you watch at certain parts, all three guitarists are playing the exact same fucking thing. And it's just to make the guitar sound way bigger and kind of like larger than life and mm. it fucking shines through really really cool and just the how tight the live band are that like it doesn't sound uh sloppy or anything like it's it is tight as fucking anything is just a testament to how mm. a crazy dedicated they were to their craft uh we get a lovely clip of benny and bjorn in their little songwriting shack yeah. Uh, singing Thank You for the Music uh, accompanied by a piano and acoustic guitar and you pointed out every time that shack was shown you're like it's so small like it is yeah. such a small it space it doesn't look like it could be bigger than two small rooms yeah and it's literally in the middle of fucking nowhere this is uh, it's just on an island it's just on an island yeah like in the middle of some fucking fjord in Sweden and it's we know a fjord in Norway <laughs> or the cod giver but um, there's um, this like I I I'm assuming they use like a helicopter or something to get that shot where mm. it's just like the camera kind of flies through this really fucking yeah. deep valley and just goes really close into this tiny tiny little cabin and as we zoom in you see Benny and Bjorn in there playing Thank You for the Music mm. it's uh, really fucking great shot as well just like amazing camera work. Um, the, there's a really uh, fantastic scene of the journalist whose name I, I just can't remember but the main the main guy mm. the, the horrible man uh, <laughs> he's editing interviews and it's a uh, really fucking fantastic there's a few of them throughout the movie but like the first one really grabbed me because it's like uh, the screen is kind of split you can see him editing the tape and kind of mm. like uh, rolling it back and forth to get exactly where he wants to clip it and they've got the actual interview playing on the other side of the screen as just like it's just really really visually uh, very nice and kind of cool um th- now i'm going to return back to the the topic of agnetha's ass <laughs> it kind of plays into this uh throughout the interviews uh with the australian public that we see in this movie uh i kind of saw there's two kind of uh sides to why people liked ABBA in Australia. And they're kind of at odds with each other. On the one hand, you have real, like, I guess, uh, you know, conservative Christian types, we'll say. And, like, Australia has a pretty Mm. fucking known history of, like, conservative politics and stuff like that. So, you know, I digress. But um, a lot of, like... Uh, interviews we see mothers with like kids and stuff being like oh I just think they're so clean and like they're so well put together and like they're they're really a family band like there's something you can bring the kids to and they really like on the other side we see like Agnetha being totally sexualized by the media Hmm. and uh, you know uh, at one point there's a guy complaining about like their skimpy clothing and how they're way too flashy and like, oh, how could you bring your kids to see that kind of thing? And it's like, you know, uh, but at the same time, there are people that are like, oh yeah, they're really sexy and fit. Of course, I'm going to go see ABBA. Mm. They're like fucking basically like sex icons at the, uh, you know, in their heyday, they were. But on the other side, you have people that are like, oh, they're a nice family band that I could bring my kids to. Mm. And like, there's no hint of that. 
on top of that, it's not touched on in the mo movie, but I'm going to say this is kind of, you know, ABBA are kind of like a, a very, um, a much-loved band by the LGBT community. Mm. So there's that element of it as well. I just think it's so strange that they could uh, capture so many different audiences for so many different reasons, and those reasons are almost at odds with each other. Yep. Yep. Any thoughts on that? No. No. This all sounds correct to me. Um. Hmm. Now. Uh. Yeah. I've just got like the band. I feel like the band are saying in this movie they wished audiences wouldn't project their desires onto them. Uh. Because they're just people, and I think this note was taken during the scene. Yeah, we should discuss. We the should scene. discuss the scene. We should also, because I mentioned it in the trigger warning, we should point out that the journalist is played by uh, a man who was uh, convicted within the last, I think, decade or two. I think twenty fourteen. Thereabouts, he was convicted of sexual offences against children. Yeah. So fun no. on a bun. Uh, fuck that guy. Yeah, bad man. Bad uh, guy. But kind of perfect casting for this because he's. Uh, yeah. it, it turns out his character is a fucking creep. He's a big old pervert. Uh, uh, I, I should yeah. point out this is Jack's first time seeing the film. It's my second. I'd seen it once before and I, I, I hyped it up quite a bit by saying that there's a, a, a thing that happens halfway through <laughs> that kind of completely changes the entire film. It changes the atmosphere quite. I feel like there's hit, there's inklings of it at the start and yeah. you know, but you could almost gloss over it quite easily, but it really changes the um the lens or just the feeling of it into something uh darker. Do you do you want to exp explain what happens? No, do you? <laughs> Not particularly. Okay, moving on. <laughs> no, no, we should talk about it, unfortunately. We have to talk we about have it. To talk so, about it. so, at one point, our journalist friend, still having failed to get any interview with ABBA, falls asleep in his hotel and has a dream sequence. We should point out as well, as he's falling asleep, he is reading, uh, and this is the title of what he's reading, The Spunky ABBA Picture Book. <laughs> yes. Uh, so he falls asleep reading the Spunky Abba picture book uh, and has a dream sequence. And in this dream sequence are all the members of Abba. Uh, and uh, Name of the Game is playing over the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And it's basically just him frolicking with Abba, occasionally in Wild West saloons with Abba, and at various points making out with the various members of Abba. Mm-hmm. Uh, Take it away, Jack. Oh boy. Oh brother. Um I don't even I, I you know what? I was just so stunned by that scene that I didn't take any notes because I was just like uh, there's some very uh, pecu peculiar fantasies played out in that scene. Mm. One of which is a uh, cowboy themed. Uh we see <laughs> Benny holding a double barrel shotgun. Dressed as a cowboy, and they're in like a a saloon, I suppose. And the journalist is getting a very very merry and drunk indeed with Benny and Bjorn, while Benny taps away on the uh, the piano. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's got both the girls at his side. Yeah, um, you know? there's a there's a chicken on the counter. So my my, my one note for the scene because I was just so baffled and stunned by it was chicken room. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! <laughs> um. 
it's so strange. I don't know. Just it's, it's like I I mean my review of this film on Letterboxd this viewing was just the sentence parasocial relationships and journalistic ethics. <laughs> Uh, I think yeah. pretty it concisely covers the themes of this film. Like he reads like one article about their background, and suddenly he's having dreams about like, hey, what if I was best friends with these people? Yeah, like what if I was being pally with Benny and Bjorn and banging their partners? These people I've cool never met. It. These people who do not know that I exist. Yeah. Oh, it's um. He really falls down the rabbit hole very like, quickly. I know. Um, I think the the really weird thing is about this is, you can watch it and be like, ha ha ha, how silly, how goofy, kind of creepy, uh, whatever. But like, uh, people really do get uh, like obsessed with uh, celebrity personalities in quite unhealthy it ways. Happens. Yeah. We all know about Bjork. Yes, of course, Bjork. Very infamous fucking... A litany of incidents with Bjork, in fact. But, mm. like, there's the big one. Yeah. Um, but there was um, a guy who my dad knew. A f- I think a friend of his from school. Uh, who, at some point, uh, ended up having a, getting a divorce with his mm. wife. Uh, because his wife was uh, in love with guitarist, Northern Irish guitarist, Rory Gallagher. I mean, who wouldn't be? Well, I mean, you look, it's, it's a it's a fair point, but, like, she was, uh, like, kind of unhealthily obsessed and that I think, mm. uh, stalking him for some time as well. Charming. And so their, their marriage fell apart. It's a real thing that happens. It's, it's kind of wacky. Um, you know, we gotta remember, these, these are just people. <laughs> people that don't know you exist. People that don't know you exist and people that are, you know, um, most of the time just trying to lead semi-normal lives when they're not in the spotlight. Mm. Um, yeah, the the dream sequence very much changes the atmosphere of the film. The, like, I feel like he is f- uh, far more on edge as a character after the dream sequence as well. Yeah, but, there are a few outbursts from him that mm, are quite memorable. Yeah, he uh, did, That bit where he just screams into his microphone. He's just walking down the street muttering to himself and just screams into into his microphone while recording. Um, it's uh, And he's got headphones on as well. I hope he hadn't like didn't have monitoring on or else he'd probably burst his fucking eardrum. There is one point where he's just playing like audio clips of his interviews on the street and he isn't wearing headphones. Yeah. And I guess the implication is he's just blaring them out for people to listen to. Yeah, and I did think as well, I wasn't sure. I was like, I, I don't know how common it would be for reel-to-reel machines like that to have in inbuilt speakers. But per- like, perhaps he did because he was he's, he's in the media business. He probably mm. had access to stuff like that. Um, but yeah, he's not got headphones in. In a number of scenes, he's just playing interviews while walking down the street. And I, I guess for everyone to hear, I guess. Um, I, that was, in fact, my next note was playing interviews with no earphones. Um, Happy Benny. Don't know what that's about, but I think there was just one one clip of Benny looking really happy that made me smile. Fair enough. Good, good for good, good, for, good for Benny. Um, on the topic of him being more on edge, uh, post dream sequence, uh, there's a part where he's uh, uh, like on the balcony of his hotel room, watching cars like drive towards the stadium where Abba are playing that night. And he's got an interview with a young girl 
that he uh, recorded earlier that day playing in his hotel room. You can hear it in the background. And she's talking about how she doesn't really like ABBA. And he kind of, as it gets to the part where she's like, I just think they're too flashy. He storms into his hotel room and turns it off straight away. And it's just, I've got written down, he clearly despises those that don't like ABBA. Like, as soon as the girl's like, I think they're too flashy, he storms off the balcony and just switches the tape machine off straight away. Like, like, angrily. Um, I think... I think they modelled young Bill in Here We Go Again on uh, Bjorn's whole kind of get-up on this tour. Even just, like, his kind of... Or at least maybe on just Bjorn's, like, onstage persona. Hmm. Really, I was like, that... Just his moves and everything feels like young Bill. It wouldn't surprise me if they... Not impossible. Yeah, exactly. And funnily enough, that when it occurred to me was... Uh, we see them playing Why Did It Have To Be Me hmm. live and he's kind of strutting about and like yeah. doing his thing. Fair Excellent, enough. might add. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, yeah, now what have I got written here? ABBA have been quite open about how being scrutinised by the public and the media ruined their romantic lives. <laughs> um, this cunt is the villain. And, and, and pointing yeah. to our protagonist here, who I think we're meant to root for, by the way. I, I should, hope not. I mean, I, I, I feel like the way it's framed, it's, you know, it could be read as you're meant to root for him, but I definitely don't. No. God, no. Um, And I hope no one does, but I just feel uh, you could watch this film in a certain light and be like, oh, I hope he gets that interview. But no, he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve to be... He doesn't... Like, fuck that. He's a... No. Slimeball. And the (laughs) marionette scene is incredibly stressful, but also kind of sad. Feels like a cry for help. Uh, That's when they're playing marionette live. Incredibly, uh, I'm going to say spooky song. Hmm. It's a very spooky, fast song. And uh, the choreography is all, you know, puppet-like. But uh, it's very frantic editing. mm. It is, it is... Very stressful. It is very much the the hen party scene of this movie. Mm. Uh, yeah, just a bit, a bit, a bit, I don't know, just kind of made me sad. <laughs> Maybe kind of sad because it's like again, you know, they're they're a band. They're fucking. Uh, they've pledged to contracts and shit yeah. like that. They kind of are marionettes, and you know they got to put on a show for the public. Uh, <laughs> Seeing all the young girls in the audience get super emotional during Dancing Queen is the most heartwarming part of the film. Straight up. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Uh, like The whole front row is just like young girls just like in floods of tears, screaming, having a great time, bugging to Dancing Queen. It's absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> um... Uh... <laughs> Um, Sorry, I, I just saw one of your notes. <laughs> I, yeah, screamy kissy maniac shouldn't be allowed out of the house. Again, that's just about a, a screamy kissy maniac. He's a screamy kissy maniac. It's that's the sure. <laughs> it's the 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 journalist. He's a that's in reference to him screaming into his microphone while just walking down the street and kissy because. Uh, Kissy, he, 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 he kisses some. He kisses the the lady at the concierge at that hotel. He does, doesn't he? He does mm. kiss her. 
mm-hmm. at one point, which I'm just like, fucking ask first. Yeah, dickhead. consent. I mean, also, maybe don't kiss a stranger who's doing their job. You know, Not very hygienic. No, Oh, God, no. In a, in a post-COVID world, baby? <laughs> fucking... Mm-mm. That wasn't what I was laughing at, though. I was laughing at your next note. <laughs> oh, God. Um... I don't know how I should pronounce that. Drugglevator or drug <laughs> or drugglevator? I quite like drugglevator. <laughs> Druggle, drugglevator. <laughs> drugglevator. Um, drugglevator. The guy gets dun, his interview. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> he gets his interview with uh, Abba uh, by having a chance encounter with them in a lift. Yeah, he's going up a lift, and they just happen to be in there, and so he basically just storms inside of his reel-to-reel recorder, and then we get a, a very trippy psychedelic sequence of the elevator rising and an Abba song playing while he's presumably getting his interview. He gets to the top, he walks out, he says, thanks for the interview. They, you know, they all seem, you know, very jovial and everything, and... We came to the conclusion, based on the lyrics to the song, as well as the psychedelic visuals, that he slipped them something. He slipped them something. I mean, there's no way he got a fucking full interview in the... What? Come on, a lift ride is... Like, very rarely any more than 30 seconds. Mm. Come on, and this is for an hour-long... Two-hour-long... ABBA radio special. Mm. That's that's the whole. Yeah, the, you're not gonna you're not gonna suffice with a thirty second interview about what they fear. Yeah. <laughs> what scares you, Agnetha? What scares you, Anafred? What scares you? Do I scare you? Like no. Ugh. Uh, horrible man. Horrible I'm man. I'm just picturing that scene in Last House on Dead End Street where. That's his interview technique. Uh, um, I was annoyed that he got his interview. I was because uh, towards the end of the film, I said to you, I was like, "There's, I'm, I'm trying to work out in my head how it's gonna end. Either he doesn't get his interview and he gets fired, and that's great. Uh, he goes to jail, which he, is great. He goes to jail, which is great. He dies. He dies, which is great. Which is great. <laughs> he kills Abba. <laughs> Not so great. Um, or he gets the fucking interview and it's a happy ending, which sucks. That's what we get, unfortunately. Yeah, he gets the interview, he makes it back just in time. It's a happy-ish ending. Abba, go home. And and that's it. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah, my final note is just the taxi driver that drives him back to the radio station to to air the special is a conservative family man who mm. doesn't approve of Abba. So again, just another example of like them appealing to, you know... They appeal to more conservative audiences. They appeal to more liberal audiences. But also, there were people either side of that that disliked them for, you know, reasons that are at odds. And that is the end of my notes. Still just... Still somehow the least terrifying film I've seen about Australia. Uh, (laughs) And even still. Should we move on to the mailbag? We shall. We shall. So, our first question comes from freaking Alien Alfie, who asks, What are your opinions on the band The Muffs? The Muffs? The Muffs. M-U-F-F-S. Oh! The Muffs. Let me, let me look up The Muffs. 
I recognize the name, I think. I've never heard of them. Let me look up the muffs. Freaking alien Alfie. I mean, they did do Kids in America, didn't they? You know what? I'm not overly familiar with the muffs, but uh, what I have heard them, nice. I've never heard of them. I, You know, Alfie, in, in a word, nice. Our second question comes from uh, infrequent contributor, freaking Alien Alfie, who asks, <laughs> Would you go west, young Scoob? Would I go west, young Scoob? Would you go west, young Scoob? Yes. I don't, know, I, I don't know what that means. I would go west. I would go to the wildest of the west. I'm just going to say no, because I want to be different. Young Scoob, explain. No. Explain. No. No. Please. On to the patrons. <laughs> Our first patron is Mrs. H. Mrs. H. Our second patron is Jack Kavanagh. <laughs> And our third patron is Andy Kinsella. You want your name read out in this section? Go to patreon.com forward slash freebeansalapop. That's the word free. And donate one US dollar or more per month. Wow, 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 wow. Imagine all the extras you could get. You can also donate more and get other stuff. Some of the perks are pretty cool, but very expensive because we're stupid. Buy the rights to our back catalogue. It's not up there yet, but it probably wouldn't cost you that much. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, go go there. Patreon.com forward slash freebeansaladpod. One US dollar or more per month. Go, go, podcast listeners. So, yeah, I suppose that's about it. We will we will be back next week for our, our, our next episode of Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Oh, boy. That will be our... How many times? Too many. Too many times watching that movie. Death. Yeah. This is true. This is very truth. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Anchors I believe there was a the possibility of a coin toss determining. Uh, I I want I want to I want to tell the audience about that next week. Oh okay, alrighty. So well. yeah. So. <laughs> yeah.